Uh, over the last several weeks, we've been in a study uh, from the book of Romans, and we've titled this series, I'm Alright. And the reason why we've titled it, I'm Alright, is because the book of Romans is the most complete and uh, eloquent uh, presentation of the gospel. It really addresses the whole man. From Romans 1 to 11, what we've seen is that it speaks about the internal realities. It talks about us as the righteousness of God. It reveals that we have been justified in Christ. It affirms to us that we belong as a part of the body of God. Uh, and so really, really amazing uh, internal realities of what God has done in the spirit in us. But then in Romans 12, as we started to see last week and the week before, there's a shift. And it begins to address the external realities. How do we live this? How do we apply this? How do we address uh, the issues of life? And today we're going to be diving into Romans 13. And this is, this, this, when I read this, I said, Lord, I really got to go there. Because Romans 13 addresses how we uh, relate to civil authorities. And we're living in a day and age where we need instruction in that regard. And so, uh, before we jump into today's topic, to today's message, I want to give you a backdrop, some historical context for what was going on in Rome when the Apostle Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this letter known as the Book of Romans. And so, Rome in this day and in, in that day was a hotbed for paganism, for scandal, for deceit, for outright wickedness. At the time of the writing of the book of Romans, uh, which was really a letter, the backdrop uh, was 10 years of murders, injustices, and adulteries that were uh, enacted by the, ruling by the ruling class in Rome that had resulted in the uh, reign of a guy named Nero. He became the emperor. This guy was not even of royal lineage. And his mother and him connived, and he got into uh, the role of emperor, and he was very wicked. I don't have time to get into all that, but there was a lot of bad stuff going on. And at the same time, uh, the church that was in Rome was uh, growing and thriving, and it was made up of Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. Now, the thing about it is that the Jews had just returned back to Rome after being... Um, exiled from, uh, sent away, uh, not being allowed in Rome uh, for five years. And so now they've returned. But upon their return, they're disliked. They're not welcomed. A lot of people are discriminating against them. Among this uh, body of believers, there was also Gentiles, people who were non-Jewish, who came with many beliefs, but they also had many agendas. And not all of them were for the benefit of the church. Every, there were some that had their own uh, agendas that they wanted to bring into the church. There were slaves who were looked down upon and lived under the constant threat of execution due to unjust laws that were resulting in the, in the murder of many slave owners, which by default meant that these slaves were also being hunted down. And then there were Roman citizens who were a part of the church. And like, like, like uh, the Jews, they were despised, but even more so because these were people that turned away from the practices and the religious beliefs and the ways of the empire of Rome and were associating with people that they looked down as less than. And, and then in addition to that, there was all type of uh, exploits by tax collectors and all types of schemes going on. It's with that context 
that I want us to dive into Romans 13. And we're going to look at Romans 13. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7. And watch what it says. It says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Today, I want to invite you to engage in a personal time of discussion with God through his word. And I want to encourage you to lean in and open your heart to the truth that his word reveals to us today. Today I want to talk to you on the topic, our response to authorities. Our response to authorities. And as we discuss this, I want to start off by inviting you to do something with me. I want you to envision yourself in Rome when this letter was written. I want you to identify with various characters. Maybe you're identifying with the Jew who was tolerated but disliked. Maybe you identify in some sense with the slave who found freedom in Christ, but now you're living under the threat of death because you're bound to a person who is a target, and thereby you are now a target. Maybe you're, you're, you're uh, relating to the Roman who's despised because you are in deep relationship with Jews and a follower of Christ. Maybe you're connecting with the person uh, who is aware of various injustices at the head of the government over you and the tolerance by all those around you. And now I want you to envision how you might feel and react at hearing the words inspired unto the Apostle Paul for us. Let me read it to you again, starting at verse 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Now, I assure you that at this very moment, the reason why you can hear a pin drop in this room is because many of us, if not all of us, go, I don't like that. Yeah, that, that doesn't sit well with me, right? You don't like it. If you were in Rome, you wouldn't have liked it. But guess what? Here's what I also know. Let's address the elephant in the room. It doesn't sit well with you now. Especially in light of the times that we find ourselves in. Look, 
Yeah, I'm going to go there. So everybody just say this with me. I love Pastor Jose. Thank you. I feel better already. All right, but I'm just going to go there. The current state of this nation, never mind the world, the current state of the nation that we live in is one that is very much like Rome in that we're facing many injustices. Listen, this isn't just now. There's always been injustices, right? But we're in a heightened state in this day and age in this nation. There are efforts to impose upon personal choice on matters of your own health. There are efforts to redefine marriage and gender. And there are laws and policies that are mandating schools to teach this to our children. There's the push to institute curriculums in our education system that do not bring healing, but instead incite anger. They bring division. They heighten hate for this country and for people. And in the midst of all that, there are mandates. Mandates. Pun intended. There are mandates being imposed upon people which are creating two classes of people. It's creating division. And it's being used to just justify outright discrimination, punishment, and rejection of people. Yeah, I just went there. These are the times that we are living in. These are the times that we are living in. And like the people in the church that was in Rome, we need direction. We need direction from the Lord for these trying times. Now I know some of you are thinking, am I supposed to just simply submit and follow what I feel violates my rights? Am I to just lay down like a doormat? I'll give you a few answers for that, but I'll start off by saying this one. No. No. See, you can exercise your legal rights. We can speak out about them. You can even protest if that's your thing. You can do that. But here's what you and I, as children of God, cannot do. We cannot dishonor authorities. I'm going to say that again. We cannot dishonor authorities. And I know that doesn't sit well for some of us. And I understand why. See, our job as Christians isn't to reflect the culture we've grown in. It's to redeem it. What do I mean by that? We've grown in a westernized culture, right? We live in a democratic environment. And in a democratic environment, right, it's supposed to be that the people rule. It doesn't look like that much in this day and age, if we could be honest. Yeah, I went there. Right? But in a westernized culture, in a, in a democratic environment, we lose sight of the fact as children of God that while we are in this world, we belong to a kingdom system. And in a kingdom system, the king is the one that we aspire to honor and follow above all. Now, I'll tell you why I share that because some of us are concerned by and large with being American more than we are with being Christians. Everybody say this with me. I love Pastor Jose. Thank you. I love you too. And it's because I love you that I want to push your thinking to consider the truth. We are so busy asserting our rights that we forget that we are Christians first. Above all. 
And so, to begin, we must first understand authority as Christians. Notice that the scripture says that there is no authority except that which God has established. And I get what some of you are thinking. How is that possible? How could God establish ungodly authorities? Isn't God good? If these are your questions, I submit to you that you don't have a complete understanding of authority. God's authority. See, God is the originator of all authority, but he is not the initiator of ungodly leadership. I'm going to say that again. That merits repetition. We got to chew on that. You might want to snapshot that. You might want to tweet that. Whatever you got to do to remember, hey, if you're online or you're here, pull out your phone, share this. The world needs to hear what the word of God says. Amen? So God is not the originator of all authority, but he is not the initiator. God is the originator of all authority, but he is not the initiator of ungodly leadership. I'll give you some reference for that. If you just look in the scriptures, I don't have time to go there. Uh, the Bible refers to Nebuchadnezzar, and God calls Nebuchadnezzar his servant, whom he would send, he, whom he would send to Israel. And if you know anything about Nebuchadnezzar, this guy was a destroyer. He brought havoc unto the people. If you look at Pharaoh in Exodus, God calls him his servant, his tool. See, God is the supreme and final authority in all creation because it's a part of his nature. And this nature is ingrained in people. Whether you're a believer or a non-believer, whether you follow Christ or you don't, whether you are passionate or you have questions, we must understand that we were all created in the image and likeness of God. And in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 and even into 3, you'll see that God gave mankind authority. He told man, you are destined to take dominion, to rule on the earth. To function as I do in all the heavenlies here on earth. Psalm 115, 16 says this, the highest heavens belong to the Lord. But the earth, the earth he has given to mankind. Now, I want to just address a sub. What are you talking about, Pastor Jose? Because I just got done preaching this first service. And you know, you always have somebody who's got a comment, right? So there was a sub that I came across online. And I said, oh, that's cool. And I'm thinking to myself, I wish you would have reached out to me to discuss this. But the sub was simply about Hosea 8.4. And in Hosea 8.4, God says that the people of Israel appointed unto themselves kings that God did not choose, right? And the implication here by this sub was, see, God doesn't appoint all people in authority, can I actually tell you that that's a correct statement? God doesn't appoint people in authority, but God is the originator of all authority. God is the origin of the authority that people assume. You hear me? You hear me? God anoints the office. The officer may not be functioning according to that anointing. So just wanted to clarify that. But you see, just like at the beginning of creation, God has delegated his authority to mankind for good. But it's up to mankind to do good with it. It's up to mankind to do good with it. We have 
free choice. You know, I want to give you an example of God's authority being misused. Someone who was delegated authority by God and they misused it. In the final moments of his earthly ministry and life, the Lord Jesus found himself face to face with a man who had great authority among men. His name was Pilate. He was the ruling governor over all Jerusalem. And as Jesus stood before him, Pilate assumed the role of judge, jury, and executioner in the face of charges that were brought by the Jewish leaders concerning claims that Jesus had made that he was the son of God. And so the Jewish leadership, they were slick. What they did was they came from two angles. They said, hey, you got to kill this guy because he's speaking blasphemy against, and he's saying that he's the son of God and he's just a man. He's not the son of God. You got to kill him. But just in case that's not good enough for you, hey, he's, in him saying that he's our king, the Messiah king, he's also saying that there's another king while Caesar's in, in, in ruling. That couldn't happen. And so Pilate finds himself in a dilemma. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that his wife had a dream and went to him and said to him, Pilate, whatever you do, don't touch this man. Don't execute him. Right? And so let's pick up in John 19, uh, 19, verse 8. It starts off by saying, when Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. And he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from, he asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? And Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. Did you just notice what Jesus said about Pilate's authority? It was given to him by God. He was placed there by a man, but the office carried the anointing of the authority of God. That doesn't mean he used it correctly. And what we see is, in a more in-depth study, which I don't have time to do, with the surrounding text, it reveals that Pilate was conflicted. He did not want to crucify Jesus. But he also did not want to offend uh, uh, the, the uh, Caesar, the emperor, and he did not want to create any further unrest among the Jews. And the thing is that Jesus' response reveals that Pilate's eventual choice to crucify him would indeed be wrong, but it would be a misuse of his God-given authority. See, all authority is given by God, but all men have a free will. And so if you're asking yourself this question, why is God doing this now in this day and age? I submit to you, God's not the one doing it. God's not the one co-signing it either. But God's authority is still present. And we as God's people must know how to respond in a godly manner so that we can reap godly results. Amen? So that, that bears the need to answer the question, how do we rightly respond to all authority? And the first thing I want to leave you with here is that we must remember that our submission is unto the authority of God, not men. I'm going to say that again. Our 
We must remember that our submission is unto the authority of God, not men. Say that with me, not men. Listen, when the scripture tells us in Romans 13, 1, let everyone be subject to government authorities for they are appointed by God. We must understand what being subject means and who we are subjecting ourselves to. The word subject there is the Greek word hypotasso. It's a military term that depicts one who arranges himself under or yields to a higher authority. But we must remember that our subjection isn't to the authority of men. It's the authority through men. It's unto God who is the author of that authority. And so listen to Romans 13 too. It says, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. See, our submission is to what God has instituted. I like the way the King James puts Romans 13.1. It says that all authority is God-ordained. It's an ordinance of God. And so our submission is to the ordination of God's authority. We're not submitting to a person. We're submitting to God. This is why we must live honorably and respond as Christians first. You can declare your rights. You can stand upon your rights. You can voice your opinion on your rights. But we cannot dishonor when we do that. See, some people who, who, who kind of just go, yeah, but, you know, the, the people of Israel, you know, they chose their own God, their own king. And, and, but you got to understand that even when they chose Saul, his anoint, God's anointing was still upon him. Ahab, who was a horrible king, while he was horrible and ungodly, there was still an anointing upon him that warranted the prophet of God to still present himself to speak to him. So there's an authority there. And there are times when we can, and we even must go against civil authorities. But we have to consider what the scripture says when we do so. Listen, in Acts chapter 5, we have record of a time where the apostle Peter and the disciples, uh, the early apostles, they, they had just finished uh, uh, preaching a, a an outstanding message. Peter shares the gospel. 3,000 people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. People are baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. Great move of God. All types of things are happening. And the Jewish ruling class decides, we got to put a stop to this. And so they pull these guys and they beat them. They incarcerate them for a period. And then they, they bring them before them to judge them. And this is what happens in Acts 5, 28 and 29. It says, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Verse 29, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. Listen closely. When civil authorities attempt to exert themselves above God's authority and they infringe upon our faith to the extent that it's leading us to sinfulness. According to the scripture, you must not submit. 
That's when we don't submit. And even when we don't submit, guess what? That doesn't mean that we have a license to go kicking and screaming, that we go on our social media and go, I just want you to see these. I'm not even going to repeat some of the things some of you might say. Can I be honest? Some of the things some of you have said. I want, you, I want to be clear on this. We can disagree. We can stand on our rights, but we must do so with honor. If you look at Romans chapter 13, verse 7, it talks about how we are to give, we are to give what is due. If you owe taxes, then give those taxes. Jesus said, hey, give unto Caesar Caesar's and give unto God what is God's. You do what you are civic, civically responsible for, but you must do unto God. And so, get this. Because we disagree doesn't give us the license. <laughs> it doesn't give us the authority to disparage authority, to curse authority, to tear down authority. See, even when we are being led in a way that is wrong and ungodly and sinful, we can still be honorable. That's why Romans 13, 7 says this. It says that we, can, uh, that we are to give our taxes, right? But that we're to give respect where respect is required and we're to give honor. That word honor there means to ascribe value to a thing. See, we don't ascribe value to men. We ascribe value to the office and the authority that anoints it. Amen. That makes sense? Yes, man, that's good preaching, man. I need, I need to hear that. I, I pray that it's blessing you. The second point I want to leave you with here is that submission is a matter of honor unto God. Submission is, in, is a matter of honor unto God. Now, keep in mind the meaning of the word submission, because for some of you, you're going, I ain't submitting to nobody. Right? You get the head action all in there, right? You're like, you get nobody. Tell me. Right? Remember what submission means. 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17 says this, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God. That by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as, as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Listen to this. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Now listen to this. From these verses that we just read, what we see is that we can exercise our God-given freedoms in such a way that what we're really doing is covering up the evil intents and purposes in our hearts. That's happening today, ladies and gentlemen. There is so much dishonor in this culture that we live in today. And it has seeped into the church like a cancer. Yes, sir. 
It has seeped into the body of Christ. And I can't speak for everyone else, man, but I'm going to tell you this. Because you've given me the honor to serve you as your pastor, I will point you to the truth. And I strongly encourage you to consider the truth in God's word and act according to God's instruction. Now, I want you to consider that according to 1 Peter 2.13, our submission isn't for the sake of men. (laughs) No, it's for the sake of the Lord is what the scripture says. Notice that we're called to arrange ourselves under authorities to submit. But the foundation for doing so is a matter of honor. Now, you got you go research this on your own time, but if you just research who was the emperor when the Apostle Peter wrote this, you'll find out that it was Nero. You know what Nero was doing at about this time? Nero was crucifying Christians. Nero was imposing harsh taxes. Nero was killing off anyone and anything that he even thought would come against his rule. Nero was hunting down people just because he didn't like them. Nero was evil and wicked. And the apostle Peter, by inspiration of God, says this. Honor the emperor. I want you to consider that when we honor authorities in place over us, we honor God himself. We actually honor God. You know, the Bible gives us the example of a a Roman centurion who comes to Jesus one day, and this guy understood something about authority and honor. He understood how it worked. Now, you got to keep in mind that a Roman and a Jew mixed together didn't work in those days. You're talking about the conqueror and, as a Jew, someone who was conquered. And this Roman centurion comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, my servant is is at home and he's lying and he's about to die. He's lying in his deathbed. He's about to die. Could you come? Could you heal him? And the Bible says that Jesus responds to him and he says to him, let's go. I'll come over right now. Let's go heal him. And the Roman centurion says to him, sir, I'm paraphrasing here. He says, sir, I understand the authority that you have. He says, I myself... I'm a man of authority. I tell my, sur- my soldiers to go, and they go, and I tell them to come, and they come. He says, sir, I'm not even worthy that you would come to my house. But because I understand authority and the authority that you have, he says, you just speak the word, and I know it will be done. And watch this. The scripture says that Jesus marveled, and he commented to the, all those around him, I have not seen such great faith as this in all Jerusalem. Think about this. One of the keys to our faith is the honor that we render to God. And one of the most powerful ways to do so is by way of the honor that we render to those in authority. Now, I know we're talking about civic leadership here, but this applies in your workplace. Watch how you talk about your boss. This applies to our parents. 
Watch what you think about them. This applies to those that we are over, we, 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 we are uh, entrusted with to care for. It's not just honor up. It's honor in every which way. It's amongst our peers. It's amongst those in our care. See, this man understood honor and its relationship to authority, and as a result, he could receive what God had for him. Could it be that the reason why there are so many Bible-believing, Christ-professing followers of Jesus that claim and ascribe, you know, this honor by, by way of appearance in what we say, could it be that the reason why we're not reaping what the Bible says is because we're not living with honor and because we don't understand that in dishonoring those that are anointed, that operate in the office anointed with authority, could it be that because we're dishonoring that office, we're dishonoring God and we're cutting off our own reward? The next point I want to give you is that when we submit to authorities, we make way for God to intervene. The truth is that all authority is of God, but not all authority is godly. When we respond to ungodly authority in a godly manner, we break open the door for God to turn things around in our favor. Listen again to Romans 13, verses 3 and 4. It says, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right. Watch this, and you will be commended. You will be lifted up. You will be honored is what it's saying. For the one in authority is God's servant. Watch this, for your good. See, authorities are authorized to do that which is right. This is the intent of God's authority towards us, but that doesn't mean that everyone does what's right. It doesn't mean that we have godly authority in various offices in this country that are doing what's right. No, that's not, that's not true. So according to this verse, when we do what is right, when we render honor and respect, we have no need to fear because in the end we will be commended. I've probably shared this here at some point, but I remember years ago I was working um, in the city, I was a manager of a bunch of different sites, and, and uh, things were going really well. And I was due for a promotion, a promotion to the executive level of this organization, and, and with that came a hefty pay raise. I was looking forward to it. I was excited, right? I mean, with, four ki- with two kids, four kids, Lord bless us. <laughs> no, Lord, no, we're good. Listen, with two kids, a wife. And a home in the in, 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 in a household in the Bronx and all that. We needed it, right? And so, Lord, I hope you heard me. Just two. We don't need any more. But anyway, let's get back to the text. Let, let's get back to this. Um, you guys are something else, you know that. <laughs> no, listen. Um, anyways, uh, so I was looking forward to this 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 you know this raise and all that this promotion and and lo and behold. Um, Part of my responsibility was to interface with the various contractors that we contracted to, 
to do certain things for us and other entities that we did work for. And so in the midst of that, I had a conversation with someone, and it was my right to do so. I had to address this matter. But my boss did not like that. My associate executive director, she didn't like that. And so she did not contact me. We did not have a conversation. She did not give me any feedback for improvement. She gave me no opportunity to discuss the, the conversation or address it. I walked in the next day, and I got a letter uh, that was a write-up for insubordination. I could have been fired. Thank God I wasn't at that time. Um, and it went into my file. And in addition to that, if that wasn't bad enough, uh, that put a stop to any promotions, any pay raises, anything at all. I was stuck. So I missed that opportunity. I was upset. And the moment I started to open my mouth and attempt to vindicate myself, the scripture that came to mind for me was, vengeance is of the Lord. And so I knew, shut your mouth, Jose. So I did. Femme la bouche. Anybody speak French, you know what I'm talking about. Shut up. Right? Ah, ah, oui. Ah, parlez-vous français? (laughs) So I had to shut my mouth. Long story short, um, I did that. I didn't complain to anyone. I didn't call anybody that I knew in the field. I I didn't post anything. I didn't say anything. I stood quiet. I spoke about it with my wife, but I didn't even complain. Stood quiet. The next morning, I go to the office, and I'm walking down the hall, and the Holy Spirit says to me, go say good morning. And I said, nah, Mm -mm. be courteous. So I went all the way around, all the way to the other side, walked by her office, and I said, good morning, Carol. How are you? That woman's neck, her her head practically came off her neck. The double take that she did was like, she couldn't believe it. For six months, I said nothing. Six months to the day, the very day that we hit six months, I get a call from HR, and they say, hey, uh, just want to make you aware that that infraction has been removed from your employee file. You are now free and clear, you know, should any, uh, you know, for, for any uh, moves, upward moves or anything. And he says, and it just so happens that there is a directorship that is just about to open up. And Carol recommended you for it. The very person that unjustly and unfairly wrote me up. What I want you to see is this, that when you render honor to authorities, what you do is you make way for God to intervene and commend you. And so, hey, I'm going to leave you with some closing thoughts because, yeah, I got about 10 seconds, but I'm going to take about seven minutes. Is that cool? Love you guys. Awesome. You already said you love me, so we're good. First Timothy 2. Verse 1 through 4 says this, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Let me give you a point along with this scripture. Instead of praying on authorities... Pray for them. I'm going to say that again. Instead of praying on authorities, pray for them. I can't tell you how embarrassing it is, the example of the body of Christ, of what many Christians, professing Christians, are doing in this day and age. How we are 
outrightly speaking out against authorities in a way that is disrespectful, it is wrong. We wave flags that have disrespectful terminology. We're teaching this to our children and we're bringing this garbage into the church. Can I just be very clear because I love each and every one of you and I love the body of Christ? Not here. Not here. Not in this house. Not here. We will be people of honor and it's the very reason why God has commended us. See, when we pray, the scripture tells us that there's a specific way we should pray. It tells us that we should present petitions for them. That means that we ask for their needs, needs that they aren't even aware they have. That we intercede. In other words, we pray for mercy and enlightenment on their behalf. It also tells us that we are to be thankful for them. They may not have it all together. Newsflash, neither do you, neither do I, right? But they have an anointing of authority. Thank God for it and pray for God's wisdom upon them that they might rightly administer that authority. Titus 3, 1 through 2, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate and always to be gentle toward everyone. Listen, do whatever is good. Do whatever is good. We are in a day and age where people are leveraging their rights at the expense of advancing wrongs. No matter what authorities may do, it is not good to slander them. It is not good to incite unrest. It is not good to be inconsiderate. It is not good to be aggressive. It is not good, nor is it godly, to put others down. It is not. That is not the way of the king and his kingdom. We are in this world, but we are not of it. We operate according to a higher standard. It's time that you start working and living according to the position that you have in Christ. 1 Peter 5, verses 5 and 6 says this, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. Notice that it's not under the hand of men. It's under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in due time. Let me encourage you to stay humble. Stay humble. In context, Peter is referring to church authorities here. But the term for elder here refers to one who holds an office of rank for the purpose of administering justice and leading. See, submission to those in authority over us requires humility. Not humility to men. Humility to God. Humility unto God. See, when we're not humble at heart, we're not resisting men in authority. <laughs> we're not resisting men. What we're doing is we're resisting God. Again, 
you can exercise your rights. You can speak about your rights. You can take a stand on your rights. But you cannot dishonor authorities. Can't. Can't. As we stand here, I leave you with this closing thought from Romans 13, verses 10 through 12. Paul sums up Romans 13 by saying this, Love does not harm, does no harm to a neighbor. This is verse 10. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this. Watch this. Do what? Love your neighbor. Watch this. Understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. These dark times are but a season. The day is here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. My friends, love is always the best response. And I want to encourage you to consider something that Romans 13 in context is referring to our response to civil authorities. And here's what it's calling that ruler. Here's what Paul is calling Nero. Here's what we, here's how we view those that unjustly, unfairly impose things that come against our rights, that infringe. Paul calls him a neighbor. And he says, love them. Love them. Love them. Listen, we must always remember that those in authority are not just authority figures. They are our neighbors. And despite the differences and the complex issues that we are facing right now in this country, in this world, we're called to recognize the times, to realize that now is the appropriate time to respond in a manner that honors God. Now. Right now. Right now at this moment. And from this moment forward, we're called to recognize the times, to wake up to the command that we are to be a light, that we are to lead, and that we are to respond with a love for God that exemplifies the solution that God wants to bring about in this world. It took the love of God to forgive sin. It took the love of God to touch the hearts of men. It took the love of God to raise us up from a pit and put us on a, on, on a, on a high rock. And it takes the love of God to bring the power of God into a world in need of God. Amen. Today, as we close... And we take a personal time, a moment, to respond to God. I want to encourage you to consider the truth in God's word. 
Put it on a scale and weigh your heart, your thoughts, and your attitude with God's word. Right now is not a time to beat yourself up and condemn yourself. Now is the time to recognize the truth, and if it applies to you, turn around. Turn around. Turn around. It is our honor to bring honor to the Lord, man. We get to do this. We must do so correctly. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.